0: My name is Veronica Ethereal. I'm a transgender recovering addict. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them, and you're listening to The Daily Reflection Podcast.
1: Welcome to The Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
2: And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia.
1: As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of The Daily Reflection book. Each day we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration.
2: We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview.
1: Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We
2: hope you enjoyed this episode. Good morning, everybody. It is October 3rd, and I'm here in the studio today with Veronica Ethereal. She is from South River, New Jersey, and she's here to share with us today about, you know, her journey around uh, the topic of today's daily reflection, which is Serenity After the Storm. Welcome to the studio, Veronica.
0: Thanks for having me, Lee.
2: So glad you're here. You know, because you've listened to this before, we usually kick off the episode by having our guest read the Daily Reflection. If you have that in front of you, would you kick us off?
0: I certainly do. October 3rd, Serenity After the Storm. Someone who knew what they were talking about once remarked that pain was the touchstone of all spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with them. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 93 to 94. When on the roller coaster of emotional turmoil, I remember that growth is often painful. My evolution in the AA program has taught me that I must experience the interchange, however painful, that eventually guides me from selfishness to selflessness. If I am to have serenity, I must step my way past emotional turmoil and its subsequent hangover and be grateful for continuing spiritual progress.
2: It resonates. Does it resonate with you?
0: It definitely resonates with me, yeah
2: before we get started, what's your sobriety date?
0: It's November 4th, 2020.
2: Okay. So talk to me about how it resonates.
0: Well, the first thing that jumps out at me is this, they say, I must step in all caps, or at least at what I'm looking at, which I find very funny that they throw that little metaphor in there. But what really jumps out at me with this is that, well, for one thing, like how much I can relate to this, you know, my life has been continuous emotional turmoil for as long as I've been able to really self-examine and today I can like take that emotional turmoil as like part of the growing process I think that as as a trans person like that much is like a very common feeling and I like many trans people like wouldn't trade being trans for the world and that goes with like being an alcoholic too I think Everything that I've been through as a result of those two things, which is a lot, has forced me to grow and given me this like huge gift of self-awareness and introspection.
2: And yet it can be a painful journey, right? Like it's, I think what I hear you saying is it can be painful and lots and full of emotion and difficult. And yet you come out on the other side, just grateful for the experiences.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And I, and it's titled serenity after the storm. And I think like when I read this, I also think that like, for me, recovery has been serenity and in the storm, because I, I often say that like, I don't recovery and getting sober hasn't made life easier for me at all. In fact, life's gotten harder in a number of ways, but mostly because like, I put myself out there in situations where I never would have before. I have a really fulfilling and bustling and thriving life now. So it's full of challenges way more than when I was, you know, when I was getting high to like numb everything. So life has gotten in a number of ways more difficult, but like it's also gotten better. And that's because I've taken that pain and grown with it. And that's what this program, like in, in my experience has allowed me to do. It's the greatest gift of this program.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that serenity in the face of the storm. Mm -hmm. Like it even says that in the book, like if we do this program, we can match calamity with serenity, which is, I I agree with you. It's it's the beauty of it. So talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what got you into recovery? What was your life like before you got into the rooms?
0: I started out like in high school. I, one day I was bored and I started smoking weed. Um, And I like to say that because like, I have a very distinct memory of just being bored one day and being like, so-and-so smokes pot, I think I'll try that. Which like looking back is a very alcoholic and addict thing to do. Prior to that, like I think my advice has really revolved around people. Like I did a lot of being in relationships with people who like needed fixing or they thought that they needed fixing and I thought they needed fixing. And I, my first drug was like manipulation and codependence. And then I got into drugs in, in high school, but it wasn't that bad until college. And it's funny because I I talk like, every time I qualify, I talk about being trans and often in meetings I talk about being trans because it's so closely intertwined with my addiction. And my addiction really took off in college when I was like exposed to other queer people and trans people and like not out yet. So I began to do a lot of like deep internal questioning and at the same time my, my using took off. So I was really bad on cocaine midway through my undergrad career. And I started going to meetings, but um, eventually I was arrested for selling drugs. And that was my introduction to the program. That wouldn't be the end of it for me though. I took a number of a number of hard bottoms to actually like get sober.
2: So how many years after that did you get sober?
0: Well, I was sober for two years after that. Um, I went to treatment um, when I got out of jail and I was sober for two years working the NA program, ironically, to intertwine like my transness into my story again, like the the biggest thing that like took me back out. I mean, and there were a lot of things that took me back out. Don't get me wrong. But the biggest thing that took me back out was when I had a year sober, I came out. Um, I just came to a sudden and jarring realization that I was a girl. When I came out, I started to like, A, feel a little less comfortable in the rooms because I could tell that people weren't as comfortable with me as they were before. And because the spaces that I were in were very gendered, like there was a lot of that stick with the guys, stick with the girl, you know, like when I came in, it was stick with the men, the men will carry you through. And then when I came out, it was like, well, what do we do with you now? So it was, it was uncomfortable for me and for a lot of people. And I used that as an excuse to go back out. And eventually because i i have very distinct memories like in college of putting makeup on for some of the first time and like wearing dresses for the first time and only doing so really really like really intoxicated and going out to parties really intoxicated and and stifling all of those experiences so then when i came out the thoughts started to creep in that like maybe i can drink now and use now if I just, you know, now that I, I know that this was a big problem and I found that it wasn't. So I I went back out for six months before I came back to the program and I've been sober since.
2: And did something happen that made you say, Oh, okay. The six months of using and drinking isn't working. Like did, was there another bottom?
0: Yeah, a lot of things happened. I, I I lasted a couple months drinking and doing some like party drugs, but when COVID hit, things got hard. Of course, like COVID was really difficult, and and I completely stopped going to meetings when COVID hit, and I was already drinking at the time. And someone offered me meth, and I like very quickly went down the road of I, I was a an IV. Meth and heroin user for that was actually the six months. So I guess I was out a couple of months before that, and a lot of like things happened to me that you know I wish no one to ever have to experience. Like I saw, I had a lot of friends die. I saved friends from death. I myself was saved from death, like on a number of occasions from overdose. And I went until like a couple of things happened. Like I was out of money. I had lost pretty much everyone around me or the people that I hadn't lost were like, we don't know what to do with you. And we're done. We're stepping back. And I just had nothing to float on. And then like, that was my last overdose. It was really bad. And my, one of my close friends had to give me CPR and broke my ribs, giving me CPR to bring me back to life. And we both went to detox the next day. My My final bottom, though, was honestly like I tried to do this myself, and God only knows why I did because I had had success in the program before, but I really wanted to do this myself when I finally came back. So I was sober about three months before I just threw in the towel. And that was my true bottom was like I was sober and I was still abs. I was as just as miserable as I was when I was overdosing on heroin. And that was the bottom. And I, that day I decided to get a sponsor.
2: So, you know, I'm interested now that you're back and you got a sponsor and you're working the program and we can talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. But as a trans person who felt like you didn't fit anywhere, you know, like I can't stick with the guys and I can't stick with the girls or maybe, I don't know, people just felt, you know, how does that work for you today? And, and also I want to ask you, like, what do you want us to know as we are, fellow brothers and sisters of yours in the rooms, you know, when a trans person comes in, how do we best support? So it's two questions.
0: (laughs) Okay. First question. Wait, remind me of the first question.
2: The first question was, how did you find a way to fit in with with the traditional men with the men, women with the women thing?
0: I mean, this kind of leads in, leads me into like, you know, the, the consistent question of what do you have to say to the newcomer that y'all always put into the end? And I'll probably expand more, but I, you know, that my, my thing that I, I often most say to the newcomer is that like, there's something in this for everybody. I've heard a lot of people with really good recovery say, take what works for you and leave the rest. Personally, like I'm, I'm, I work pretty by the book, but I don't, you know, I, I definitely have put my own spin on the program with the help of a, a sponsor and and I've made it work for me. And that's what changed this time around. I'm also really grateful for COVID because I'm not grateful for COVID, but I found the beauty in COVID for me and a lot of people like me is that with Zoom meetings that specifically cater to trans people and queer people are now like reachable to everyone in the world and um, everyone with technology, I should say. And that really was a turning point for me around the time that I came back. I found my current home group, one of my current home groups, and um, it's an amazing group. And they hold a number of meetings per week. And so I get to go to a lot of meetings where people look like me and I mix it up. but the it can be really hard to work with the general lack of understanding in meetings that are not special topic meetings which then does lead into the question of how best to support as like, you know, like how best for cis people to support trans people. And I think it's hard to say that within the context of AA, I think, because like the same, I, I, I firmly believe that, and I hope people hear this and do something about this. You know, I, I think the, that the same work that I could ask people in AA to do that people outside of AA who are not trans should also be doing for trans people. Just as like, as a white person, like I really try my best to do the work to be anti-racist in like my everyday life and, you know, educate myself. You know, if ignorance is not bliss, like ignorance is not a crime, but ignorance is not bliss. And like, unfortunately, a lot of people like me spend a lot of time educating people around us. And like, it's it's become a gift for me today. And I really like carry that flag very proudly in spaces that I'm in. And I'm very happy to help educate people. And like, I'm very happy to be on the show today and get to talk about it. But, you know, just, just find people, like trans people to listen to and find people with marginalized identities to listen to, like on social media or be it whatever it is. People are telling our stories. And like the more that like we, we take up space in the lives of people who don't understand us, like the less people are afraid of us. Cause at the end of the day, like all of the resistance that I've ever met is because people are afraid of me.
2: Mm-hmm. I just want to say that, you know, that I hear, I hear compassion in your voice and in your message really for the people that are ignorant, I guess is, is the only word we can use. And I, and I think, you know, I, I like what you said and I'm hearing you and I'm, I'm internalizing it, you know, just like take the same attitude of openness and willingness to learn about other people, regardless of their situation or, or as you said, marginalized people and be open and willing to learn and connect and engage. So I like that message. I hope a lot of people are listening and, you know, I want to say thank you to you because you reached out to us and you said, Hey, you know, I hear you saying that you want to give everybody a voice. And yet I don't hear a lot of trans people on the show, and and so we had a conversation, and here you are, and and I, it's a blessing. So, thank you for doing that, and uh, for having the courage to do that too. So, all right, so let's get to your recovery. So, you got a sponsor, and then what happened?
0: Well, the story of how I got my sponsor is is really funny, and I, I I'll tell that quick. Like, okay, my my sponsor teaches gender and sexuality studies. And I, di- I didn't know that um i went into a meeting and honest to god i was like i'm going to grab the first person that will sponsor me and i ended up with this really they're non-binary um which for the listener that doesn't know is um describes someone in the trans and gender non- non-conforming community who identifies with both genders and yeah so my, my sponsor was very well equipped to be my sponsor and that was really like a a higher power moment where my higher power was just like here's this here's the first person and I've had the same sponsor since yeah it was it was really cool and my sponsor and I like I, I feel like my sponsor is one of my best friends today and that's just like such a gift
2: and so how did you guys move into working the program together
0: I was pretty ready to work the program by the time I hit that final bottom. When I say that I was just like racking my brain over the most trivial of things in my life and was just like, I need something to fix this. Like it was bad. And I just dumped into the steps as quick as I could. My sponsor and I have met once a week, a couple of times we've met twice a week, just when I've been like a little freed up and more eager, uh, more eager. We got to it. We especially like, we spent a lot of time on one through three, but step four was like a really emotionally trying experience. And that was a turning point for me too, because um, you talk about like the compassion that I'm able to have. And like, that's so like step four, like seeing like my part in things, you know, being able to see, like being able to humanize other people and my resentments was a big thing in step Mm. four. And it came at a really good time too, because at the time that I was working step four, I was getting ready to take care of some legal issues. Like I came into the program with new legal issues, warrants that I had to take care of. And I was able to go handle those after working step four. and i I definitely couldn't have done that. like even come close to being ready to do that without mm-hmm. working. Program.
2: It says in here in the daily reflection, if I am to have serenity, I must step, as you say, step my way past emotional turmoil and its subsequent hangover, and be grateful for continuing spiritual progress. And I just so relate to that myself, like even you know, years into sobriety it's like, okay, sometimes I still have emotional turmoil and subsequent hangovers and I need to move past that through the steps so that I can be grateful for continual spiritual progress. So I guess my question to you is in doing the steps in step four, you just mentioned, are you finding relief from that codependency and that emotional turmoil and the hangover from that? Like, are you finding some relief this soon into it?
0: Oh, that is such a good question. And I actually was talking, I was talking to a fellow about this yesterday and shared about it in a meeting yesterday, but I think, so I have just over 10 months, my sobriety dates, November 4th, 2020. And I finished the steps a couple of weeks ago. And I've been working with a sponsee who is also a trans woman, which that is just amazing. Like I am so blessed and I'm feeling like now the real work is just beginning. I'm definitely, it's like, I'm definitely finding relief from the emotional turmoil. But like, as I said, like the emotional turmoil, I'm not sure has subsided that much. My life is a lot more chaotic, but like, I always look at, I, I think I, I really cling to the idea that like the best thing about recovery is that you get your feelings back. And the worst thing is that you get your feelings back, but getting my feelings back has been so wonderful. And, you know, a lot of coming out as a trans woman involves unearthing the, you know, the years that like an upbringing through like the way that like men or people that we believe are men at children like are treated and like made to treat their emotions, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: coming into recovery, like I understood the value of our vulnerability by the time I came into recovery, but like I was wholly incapable of like really having any. And I'm, with the awareness and clarity that, and granted like at 10 months, I'm sure I have a lot of awareness and clarity that I'm going to come into, but especially working the steps with the sponsee and being forced to really self-examine and hold myself to my values now, because I have to set a good example, like I am, really becoming aware of the fact that like I have a lot of work to do in terms of like how I relate to other people and how vulnerable I am with other people and like with myself too. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, my my point with that is to say that the emotions continue to be overwhelming and I think are more overwhelming because I have a more fulfilling life and like more things to care about now. And so like, I'm grateful for like all of the emotional turmoil that I experience, and also the fact that I can deal with it accordingly now, because it's it's a demonstration of like how many things I have going for me in my life. Mm.
2: It's beautiful. We talked about spiritual growth, and and do you do you have a concept of a higher power today?
0: Yeah, I was also talking about this with the same Fellow yesterday, um, because my higher power concept continues to evolve. I'll say I say. Often that like my higher power concept kind of fits the general spirit of the universe concept. And I feel like a lot of people use that as a catch all to say like some mystical thing that I don't understand, but I have a concept of it. But I started off with an image that I could I started off praying to like a trans girl in the sky. Like I was like, "Oh, I can pick something. I'll just pray to another trans girl in the sky." And that's something that I can relate to and talk to. And over time, my higher power p- concept has become a lot more abstract, and I'm starting to I'm starting to incorporate, I, I used to be really interested in Buddhism, and I think I'm starting to incorporate Buddhist concepts into my spirituality now and combine that interim higher power concept that I had that I continue to have for the purpose of prayer in the program with this spirituality that I find like really all-encompassing.
2: Did you grow up with some sort of imposed or self-imposed concept of what higher power was?
0: Yeah. I went to Catholic school, which I always say I went to Catholic school and that's why I am how I am now because I like dress very like goth and punk and like and I'm trans so it, you know like it's i feel like there are a lot of former catholic school kids who are now goths um and yeah but I, it never really stuck i don't have i haven't been attached to that faith in a really long time so it it never really stuck but i do feel i feel a little bit of you know like a desire to push against that which i think a lot of like trans and queer people often do because like religion or especially like organized Abrahamic religion is often so weaponized against us
2: mm-hmm. but um, that's the idea of
0: recovery is that like we get to you know we get to form our own concepts of spirituality and a lot of people I hear you know incorporate this and this and this from various uh various faiths so we get to you know take uh take what works and leave the rest is, is that mm-hmm.
2: What I love about recovery is is our ability to conceptualize the higher power that you know that we're going to connect with, how, however we want, and and it's just fascinating to me doing this podcast to get to hear other people's journeys and you know all the different journeys through that, and I, and for me, it's continued to evolve over time, and so it's just uh, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So Veronica, as we begin to wrap up, I know you said. I always ask what advice do you have for somebody who may be out there listening to us, you know, thinking about whether or not they want to come in and maybe suffering, feeling isolated and all alone as a marginalized human being. What do you say to them? What advice do you have?
0: I heard somebody say very recently that it's, it's a dangerous game to say that this program will work for anybody if they work hard enough at it. But That has been my experience. And I'm not saying that that's going to be the case for everybody. But what I will say is that this program is like very much worth a try. And it has worked for a lot of people. If you, you know, if you get like a very short way into the book, you you can read about how big the fellowship is and how fast it's grown over a very short period of time. You know, in that time, we've gathered a lot of special interest meetings and, you know, very, a lot of very off the wall groups for like whatever, you know, sort of interests that you might have. I knew, I I used to know people that went to a Grateful Dead themed meeting and there's agnostics and, yeah, there's a Grateful Dead themed meeting in Asheville, North Carolina. I don't remember what it's called, but there's, you know, there are queer meetings. There's, as far as I know, there's meetings for everybody. So like If you haven't found what works yet, do a little looking around and get on the internet and get on social media and do do what looking you can and, and find your people. Because, you know, I think the talking to people like me, like I found that the queer community is like one of the most welcoming communities and so driven to like show up for the world and when you combine that with the sobriety community like the queer sobriety community is just a community of the greatest people that I've ever met and this 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 program is my life now and the fellowship is my life now and like most of my friends are in recovery and I have to say that like everything good that I have in my life now I have through AA.
2: I'm thinking back to your earlier story when you said that you OD'd a couple times and your friend had to bring you back to life. And I'm sitting here almost feeling this like extreme pain in my heart. And at the same time, such gratitude that you are here and you made it. And how awful if we had been deprived of your presence. Thank you. Um, and that is, you know, I hope everyone hears this. Like if someone's out there using, like, we need you, we need you because everybody can make a difference. Right. And you, Veronica are making a huge difference just by sharing your story here and in the rooms and, and everywhere. So I'm just really, really feeling gratitude for your presence. And is there anything before we close? Like, is there, is there anything you want to make sure that everyone gets to hear for you before we close today?
0: I don't think so. I think that's it. Thanks, Lee.
2: You feel like you you got to say everything you wanted to say.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh,
2: great. Thank you for reaching out. I'm so glad. I was so excited when I got your email. And I'm even more excited here today. So I think you've helped a lot of people today. I hope you come back. Like it's 10 months. Let's hear from you when it's been a year and a half or two years. I'd love to I just can't wait to hear, you know, what kind of new aha's awarenesses and progress you're going to make. So. Yeah,
0: we're all being in that time is just, you know, it's just crazy to think yeah. about.
2: The world is your oyster. The world is all of our oysters. Thank you so much. And thank you for your service.
1: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.